You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. My name is Kirk Barron. I have one goal. I share it all the time, but it's true. To bring you great educators, great thinkers to improve your practice and improve your life. And today we're going to bring in an awesome educator. Her name is Dr. Wendy Clark, and she is just brilliant. And she's also funny and very engaging. And today we discuss dentures need suction but they don't have to suck. About the advancements with digital dentures and 3D printing, you're absolutely gonna love it. So check it out. We'll see you guys soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. I'm so pumped you're here because I get to share great information from great friends of mine, great thinkers and rock stars in the community, dental community that is, to help you create a better practice and a better life. And today I've got a real rock star, Dr. Wendy Clark, and we're going to be talking about, you know, your dentures need suction, but they don't have to suck. And I'm going to have her describe why, because we were just shooting the breeze before we went live and she's like, let's call it like that. And we're going to be talking about digital printing and a lot of those other things. So Wendy, thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Now, I will say this about you. You're a rock star. So in the middle of the COVID conference, I had known your name. I didn't really know you. But then, you know, Dr. Mark Hyman, thank you so much. It was like, all right, let's get this all lined up. And so you were a rock star that just kept showing up and delivering great value. And then you would finish your class and everyone would go, that was awesome. I'm like, yeah, it was. And so, Wendy, thank you so much. And I know we've got a lot of people that have heard you before, but if I'm a new young listener, I want want them to know who's Dr. Wendy Clark. So give us a little bit of your bio. Who are you? Oh, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I say I'm a self-proclaimed rock star, so mm-hmm. it's not really an official title. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, I finished my prosthodontic training in Alabama, which was really cool. And I found out that we are both Milwaukeeans as I went to Marquette. Marquette, for dental school. yes. Great time. Phenomenal experience. Great dental school. Um, and after residency, I went into private practice with Team Atlanta and practiced with Goldstein, Garber, and Salama for seven years before I transitioned to my very exciting position here five years ago. Um, I'm a professor in prosthodontics, assistant professor in prosthodontics, um, and I teach the denture class, the partial denture class. I get to work with the dental students every day, and it's just 
it's really phenomenal. Um, I say that I dream big and I learned that my peak is as a sim lab doctor. <laughs> yeah. Now I got to ask you about this. Okay. So a lot of people would graduate and they would go out and say, okay, I'm just going to get my feet wet in dentistry. Very few people go to the top right away. And you did, you walked into that practice. I got to ask you, I have watched, I don't know them really well, but I've watched them all speak and it is amazing what they do. What was that experience like transitioning to that office? It was the way that they present themselves on screen is exactly the way they are in practice. Really? They are just yeah. class acts. Every, I mean, I used to watch Dr. Salama do surgery and it was like watching a video mm-hmm. <laughs> or like watching a textbook come to life. Like it was just always clean, always neat. Um, and same with Goldstein and Garber. Everybody in that practice is just stellar. Um, always looking at state of the art, so inspirational. And I mean, truly, I, I feel like, they really help form my philosophy towards practice and teaching and everything else. They're just nice people, great dentists, and you can ask for a better, great mentors. They're really good. Okay. I got to ask, like, so in the interview process, like, what did you say to get you a job there? Like, uh, you know, there was, there's gotta be like a magic phrase, a magic sentence that you said. I mean, how, how in the heck did they all say, yep. Like when you, when you went there? Um, I think part of it, they were familiar with the program. I did my process training in Birmingham, okay. uh, which is a really top notch, great program. I was chief resident. And so I kind of had a, some clout <laughs> going mm-hmm. in. Um, I brought what I thought was a really cool portfolio, which in res- retrospect was not really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I will tell you, and I think retrospectively, I've thought about this before too. I think because I was very nice to the staff, I think okay. is what really landed me the position. I remember I was, the office manager was really kind and we shared, um, I was just very nice to her and she was nice to me. And I think that you really can't underestimate in all of your practice being kind to staff. It takes you, you know, to the next level. 100%. And you are a super nice person. So I know that's a big reason why they hired you. And so I wore my shirt for you today, like the UNC Thank shirt. Thank you. So, so cool. heels. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about why your dentures need suction and they don't need to suck, which I think is an awesome title. So tell us the why before we get into the details. Like what, why, why is that title so important? I, one of the reasons I became a prosthodontist is because I loved removable prosthodontics, which is unusual for a dental student. And I always wanted to create those smiles. And I loved working with my hands and it's very artistic and it's very tactile. Um, but it was never the, the sexy procedure. <laughs> so nobody was into complete dentures quite like I was. I didn't have to fight the, for the patient pool. Yeah. Um, And then when I also always loved digital dentistry. And then when digital dentistry and complete dentures merged, it was a game changer. So uh, I think everybody who has ever met me probably knows I was an early adopter in the digital denture arena. And it's just been the funnest thing to watch it grow from uh, this inception of an idea over the last decade to where we are today. I mean, it was 2012 was the first time it became commercially available. So we're at that decade mark of digital dentures. Um, So I think a lot of people don't like dentures, which 
I've never understood, but I always like to get in the psyche. And I think it's because they're not very predictable. Mm -hmm. And I tell my students, you can do every single step correctly, every single step perfectly. And then it goes through processing and there's an error. And at that insertion appointment, your denture doesn't fit. And in practice, that's no fun when you're a dental student and it takes you like 18 appointments (laughs) to make a denture. And then you don't get to insert it at that appointment. It's just like that worst sinking feeling. So I always want to say, how can we make these more predictable? And digital dentistry is why it's there. So you can get that predictable fit, support stability and retention, that suction. Yep. But dentures don't have to suck. They can be fun. Yeah. So we're going to go there. Now, I lo- I have a special place in my heart for UNC for a lot of different reasons, because that's one of the first dental schools that I actually got a chance to speak to. And then I saw you recently when we were out there. Uh, and then you know, you guys are always at the forefront of technology. Actually, I got to go to the secret room with the yellow machine. And like, I went in there with other faculty members. Like, you can't, I'm like, I can't touch. They're like, we can't touch them. You cannot touch the machine. I was like, (laughs) I can touch the machine. Can you tell us what that is? Like they, they only let me in there for like 10 seconds to look at it. And then I had to walk out. So can you, like, I just love watching what you guys are up to. So what, 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 what is that machine that I got to see? The mystery machine yes. <laughs> is our carbon printer. Um, Jody Simone, who was the CEO of Carbon and helped develop that technology, um, was a one of the graduate one of the programs he graduated from was UNC. So he's a Tar Heel. I know he went to some other schools too, but we claim him. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so we were really excited to be able to incorporate the carbon printer into our clinics here. That's so cool. That's so cool. So take us through this. You know, um, there's so many questions that come up and, um, you know, the first thing is, is can you make a a denture without a scanner? You know, that's my first thought. And that's, you know, it's a thought that a lot of dentists have. So take us through kind of like dispelling some of these myths and what we need to know as we embrace 3D printing and all these pieces of digital technology. Yeah, see, dentures, digital dentures have gotten such a bad rap. I just want to why, break but the why, rumors. why? Just tell us <laughs> and why. I think, yeah, for sure. And I, I think that was the first, the first thing that came up. Uh, the first lecture I did on digital dentures was actually 2013. So I hope I know. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm starting to learn my stuff. Um, and from that first lecture I did in 2013 to the last lecture I did last week, I always get the question of, I don't have a scanner how I can't do this workflow or how can I do this workflow? Um, And the great thing is you don't have to have a digital scanner. You can jump into the workflow by digitizing your impressions. And by now, most full service laboratories will have a benchtop scanner of some sort. They can put your denture impressions in that the same way they put your crown and bridge impressions uh, or your models for crown and bridge. So Truly, if you can partner with a dental laboratory that has that technology benchtop, you can send whatever impression material you're already using to your lab. So take your PVS, um, take your alginate and port and stone, send the cast. The cast can get digitized. You can jump into the workflow um, at any point. So don't be hesitant to try this new workflow and this more predictable uh, denture technology because you haven't invested in a scanner yet. I love it. I love it. And even with the CEREC, the CEREC of old is not the CEREC of new, you know, because can you talk about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, the first time I touched a CEREC was the CEREC 3 with a rollerball. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I think anybody that's been in the CEREC world knows 
kind of the pain of using the spray and trying to keep everything isolated and um, trying to use the rollerball as a mouse instead of a touchscreen or a keyboard. And it was, you know, it was a process to try to trace that margin with a rollerball. And now as technology has gotten better and started to catch up uh, and become more affordable, the workflows have just really opened up. Um, when I was in practice, I remember everybody had the the bad connotation of those first Sarek crowns. They're like, ah, oh, they're not pretty. The margins are bulky. They're not polished right. Labs will always do better. And I, I cannot give enough credit to my laboratory partners. As a prosthodontist, we would not survive. <laughs> Yeah. without our dental laboratory technicians. And I, I mean, I literally, they have raised me to who I am. And I, if in another life, I think I was a lab tech. Yeah. Um, but Sarek crowns now are pretty. And if you follow the protocols, right. And you know what you're doing, you'll get a good crown. And the same thing with digital dentures. Uh, the first cases we did with the first 3d printed resins it, when they were first FDA cleared, were not as strong as the, uh, PMMA that we used to use. And it didn't look the same. It didn't feel the same. It didn't polish the same. And so it was hard to kind of jump into that workflow where you're saying, well, digital dentures, all suck. <laughs> right. And that's kind of where we don't. got the title from. Yeah. They don't have to suck. I mean, they don't have to suck. <laughs> right. And you're, you're obviously excited about dentures. So, you know, it's funny because not everybody's excited about dentures, but the dentures provide an incredible opportunity for some patients, a lot of great patients. Exactly. Um, absolutely. What, what else do we need to know? Like you get a chance to talk to these kids and established clinicians. Like what are some things you're like, no, let me improve your thinking when it comes to either, you know, digital dentures or 3D printing. What's something that comes up a lot other than what we've talked about? I think that the value of record preservation is totally underestimated. Okay. If you think about, even if you have a conventionally made denture and you scan it and keep that in your records, now you have a digital preser digital preservation of what this patient are, always has. So in a week, they lose their denture. They go on a cruise and it falls overboard. I had a patient scuba diving and their denture fell out rather than start at the beginning. And again, I work in a dental school where dentures are not <laughs> necessarily mm -hmm. two or three appointments. Right. I mean, it can be a long process start to finish. Um, I had a patient last week whose denture was lost in the hospital and I had to start from scratch because it was not done digitally. And so you think about just the opportunity to save the patient's time and to save your chair time by maintaining these digital records is huge. Yeah. Uh, and I think also we have to kind of shift our lens when you think about access to care. To me, that's one of the most underestimated aspects of 3d printing, um, we're always comparing kind of apples to oranges where, yeah, if you have a master ceramist, like I had in my practice, design the and handcraft this crown on number eight that they're custom staining chair side, it's not going to look as good as if I'm in my office printing something out on my printer um, that I've done myself. But if I am at a service clinic and a patient can get a root canal <laughs> for free, but they can't get anything but an amalgam to restore it with. And yes, we're still using amalgam. Then what are we doing? What service are we really doing for this patient? We're stopping the service at an incomplete point. Right. So if we can get these materials to satisfy our needs, think about these service clinics where you can do a mission of mercy where you're 3D printing crowns. Yeah. You can do a mission of mercy where you're 3D printing dentures or partial dentures or anything. It just really opens up all these avenues that we didn't have before. 
Yeah, I love what you're saying, too, because I think one of the great opportunities we have as dental professionals is the aging population is one of the biggest challenges in the world uh, dynamics. I mean, there's going to yeah. be a lot of people who really need. And even if it isn't ideal or perfect care, you're improving the quality of people's lives. I watch people do Mission to Mercy all the time and they come back and they're so fulfilled because of yeah. the amount of care that they provide for people that couldn't otherwise provide it you know, to themselves or get that type of care. So it's a very, very cool opportunity uh, in dentistry. So um, I want to, I, I always want to just know what the future kind of looks like because you're privy to so many conversations. Like what can we expect? I feel like every time I come visit you guys, I'm going, I'm going into the future <laughs> and I'm like, does anyone else know about this? No, like you, know, <laughs> you have to do a retina scan to get to this next room. So what can we expect, you know, in the future? It's anyone's guess, but like, what's the future of uh, digital dentures and 3D printing look like? And what are you learning from carbon? You know, uh, I've learned so much every day and I keep wanting to, I need to 3D print a crystal ball so that I can really know what's coming up. There you go. Uh, I like to try to imagine it. And again, it's in the position I'm in where I'm training the students, hopefully for really long, successful careers. I don't want them to just be prepared for what the world's like now mm. or what it was like when I was in practice. And so I really hope that I can give them the skill set and the tools that they need to carry into practice uh, to hopefully <laughs> fulfill them for a long time and to give them kind of the, the critical thinking and the concepts they might need to move to that next step. And then hopefully they'll come back and teach me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do think that 3D printing is our future. I think right. conventional hand processing will always exist and it always needs that human touch. So I don't think we're going to be replaced by robots. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think robots are going to make our lives more predictable. I think 3D printing can take you from, I mean, you're, I don't know if you follow all the groups online, but I love watching these people that are 3D printing with these permanent resins, inlays and onlays. And it's like they would normally do a composite that probably wouldn't have the best contours. Now they can idealize that outside of practice and they're bonding it in. Um, and I love seeing these early adopters kind of working out the the workflows for these. So I think 3D printing is our future. I think we're going to be 3D printing indirect restorations for uh, partial coverage, complete coverage, certainly for removable. Uh, a lot of people are already printing night guards in-house. Uh, clear aligners are almost always printed, if not by you, by a lab. And so I think um, the, the workflows are going to become easier and easier, more predictable. And then maybe we won't make our students <laughs> pin and section dies anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I want you to talk about that because, you, you know, you have a special place in your heart for these kids and I, I, it's always fun, but they're pretty good. They're pretty adaptable to some of these things. Wouldn't you? I mean, oh, I don't want to put words yeah. in your mouth, but like, tell me what you see on a day-to-day -day basis. For sure. And I always say, I think I learn more from them every day than I teach them. It's, I mean, it's so inspirational to kind of see the way that their minds work and the way that they um, process information and turn that into reality. Uh, so I try to, I try to create environments where they can develop that and mm -hmm. nurture that skill. Um, I've had students suggest digital workflows that are better than what I came up with <laughs> for right. removable, which is, that's all I do. So it really blows my mind. I was telling a student to scan something and he was like, why don't I just do it this way? I'm like, because that's, I didn't think of it. Um, so certainly like learning that humility and 
the appreciation for the skill sets and the knowledge that these students are coming in with, I think is just invaluable. That's awesome. It's awesome. Now I want to go back to the original. So we're, you know, you and I can talk about everything. I, we could talk about having, you know, kids at home during the summer, which is always a fun story. You can, you and I could share stories. But go back to the dentures. They have to have suction. So uh, <laughs> let's, let's give everybody something to think about, you know, when it comes to border molds or, or whatever, like what are some of your favorite things on that first part? Not that the dentures suck, but like the suction part of it. What are some of your favorite tips, tricks, or just thought processes when it comes to that? For sure. I think there are so many workflows that have been proven and validated that work so well. Um, one of them, I I hope that everybody has clicked on by now. It's an older video, but Valerie McMillan at the time, Valerie Cooper, the denture queen. <laughs> if you Google denture queen cupcake technique denture, <laughs> it'll come up. If you say cupcake technique, you'll just learn about cupcakes, about scanning the wash impression and scanning the denture, sending that in and getting either your definitive denture or your um, monolithic try and back. So basically a duplicate denture workflow to be done in two or three visits. Um, and I think to me, that's one of the, the keys because anybody that has had to do their own lab work. So I'm going to appeal to all my denture technicians out there mm -hmm. where the patient loves their denture and they want it duplicated. Man, it is so much harder than you would think to put those teeth in the same spot. You're like working on all these putty matrices and trying to reposition everything and you can get so close. And then the patient's like, uh, I think this one's a little shorter. When you scan it and duplicate it, you're like, nope, it's a one-to-one -one copy. <laughs> I have the digital file to prove it. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of helps with that predictability. And also with immediate dentures. I think if you have not ever done a digital denture in your life and you're still kind of on that fence, like, oh, I don't know if I want to do it. It's a little bit intimidating. I don't know what the product's going to be like. Immediate dentures are the way to go. Yeah. And if you've ever made an immediate denture, they're the worst dentures. <laughs> why? Tell us why. Uh, you can't try them in. So the patient has 14 teeth. You're taking out, putting a denture in the same day. You cannot do an anterior try-in and you're completely at the mercy of whatever records you took, whatever, however the patient bit that day, because those patients are harder to get into CR than patients that are already edentulous. They're trying to get into MI, which is always wrong. Right. Um, and then you send it to the lab and you're like, reposition the teeth in the same spot. And again, they have the putty matrices of where the teeth were and trying to reposition them. With digital, you have that preservation of record. I know that the incisal edge on my immediate is exact to where the incisal edge was of the patient's pre-treatment, pre-extraction records. Um, and then you can always go back to the pre-extraction records. If the patient says, ah, oh, you made my teeth too big. Again, you can look and see if the teeth you chose are bigger than the pre-extraction records. You could never do that with conventional. Yeah. And it's just, it unlocks so much uh, possibility to eliminate that unpredictability. And so they make immediate dentures not suck. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also thinking about the hundreds, if not thousands of hours that you say, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. so it's incredible. It's incredible. It really is. So I love it. Um, any other thoughts that you have just like on this awesome topic? Um, um, I would say if 3d printing is our future, Milling acrylic is our present. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's one of those things that kind of gets neglected in the weeds a lot because you have your conventionally processed acrylic, which is polymethyl methacrylate or PMMA. You have your printed resins, which are not polymethyl methacrylate. There's some sort of various polymers that 
um, are proprietary, so I don't know what they're made of. Even I don't know at UNC <laughs> what wow. their, their proprietary initiators are. Um, but the milled dentures come from a puck of pre-polymerized polymethyl methacrylate, your PMMA. So if you ask for a milled digital denture, you're still getting the exact same chemical material that you get with your processed denture. The benefit is it's pre-polymerized. So you don't have porosity. You don't have shrinkage. You don't have the voids that can predispose it to fracture. You can do a monolithic milled denture. So you don't have separate denture teeth, which eliminates tooth debonding. Um, and they're really strong. So you're maximizing the physical properties of the material and you're digitizing the records. Mm -hmm. So my patients that lose their dentures, again, I'm giving them a, a milled polymethyl methacrylate. So it's a material I'm comfortable with and familiar with and have been using since 1937, <laughs> we started using PMMA, um, but now I can store it digitally. So if my patient breaks it, loses it, anything like that, I call up the lab and say, hey, can you send me another denture? And I get it in a couple of days. That's so awesome. If you guys are listening or watching, you're going to see, this is why we love Wendy. She, her, your, your enthusiasm is contagious. You know what I mean? Even if you don't like dentures or any of these things, like you're going to really enjoy the way Wendy educates. And so I'm going to highly encourage you, if you have any opportunity to see her speak, teach, you got to do it because you do make learning fun, like really, really fun. Yeah, I try. No, you don't try. You I, do. You do. Now I, I do. have a self proud of second year dental students. You do not. Come on. I can't imagine you ever saying you have a tough crowd. They do, when you say tough, they just challenge you a lot with a lot of specific questions, things like that, or what? They're all smarter than I am, and I know that going in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we all joke about. I mean, if we were applying to dental school today, but, I mean, the competition is insane. Right. I don't know if I'd get in. Like these kids are just. I say kids, they're, they're young adults. Yeah. <laughs> These human beings are phenomenal and they're just, they've accomplished so much in their lives and they're so brilliant and bright. Um, and I just, I want to teach them. I want to give them my best so that they can, I can meet their standards and hopefully they can glean something and leave here wanting to make dentures. Well, I know you are doing that there. So keep up the great work. I do have one very specific question. Yes. What's the talk about, Tar Heel basketball. Like, you know, like, are you a basketball fan or not? Are you kind of? <laughs> I am. You are. Okay. <laughs> you know, do we go all chips in on pretty much expecting them to go back to the championship game? Or what do you think? You know, I always say yes because I'm an optimist. Right. <laughs> I will say I went to a Georgia for undergrad. So football kind of has my heart, SEC football. Right. Um, <laughs> And I got really lucky because I had Georgia football at UNC basketball doing amazing in the same year. So, you know, yeah. now we have printed dentures. <laughs> First, what else could I want? That's awesome. That is so awesome. Cool. Well, I know people are going to want to reach out to you. If I, like, how does somebody get in touch with you if I have a question or if I want to see more about what you do? How do I do that if I'm a listener? Uh, probably the the best way would be to follow me at Dr. Wendy's World on Instagram, um, Dr. Wendy's World. And usually I'll post any upcoming lectures or anything I have on there. That's awesome. Cool, cool, cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. And uh, I always love when we get any opportunity to get you on our, you know, live webcast or anything like that. So I really, really appreciate this. And I know it's a quiet time in the summer and there's not a lot of people there. So it's good. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I know nobody's knocked on my door, which hasn't happened in months. So that's really exciting. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, stick around. We'll say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for watching or listening to the Best Practices Show podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed today, which I know you did, just do us a favor, hit the share button. Keep sending us suggestions for things you guys want to see. And even from Wendy, I'll have her back. And we can just dish her the tough questions and make sure you guys are getting the most out of this. But until we see you guys next time or until you hear from us next time, keep watching the Best Practices Show podcast. You guys have a great day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.